Yes, this is the day. September 21st, 2014. The day that will forever live in our minds as the most brutal and obnoxious beatdown in NFL history as the Washington Redskins demolish Please. the Chip Kelly gimmick. Is it still a gimmick? 52 to 10. Gimmick? Yeah, that's right. that is what history is going to remember. Then his gimmick of winning games and pissing people off. Yes, I I can understand that. Yes, I know. I'm predicting the future. I jumped in my time machine last night and went back to the future <laughs> and uh, and saw it. So it's going to happen. Um, you stole the book from uh, Biff Tannen, huh? Yeah, yep. Deshaun Jackson is uh, going to have four touchdowns, and uh, he is going to get broke in <laughs> half, probably. He's going to be out there. He's going to be out there in a sling with his separated shoulders. What's going to happen? Right. I'll s- talk to me about after the third screen for a touchdown in the second quarter, and then we'll see where we're at. In all seriousness, in all seriousness, okay. What is your prediction for Eagles Redskins? One o'clock kickoff today, September 20th from, is it the link? Lincoln Financial. The link in Philadelphia. What's going to happen in that game, Ben? Hey, I see uh, a very tight game. Nip and tuck the whole way. But I'll take my bur- my birds in the end, 27-24. Wow, 27-24. Well, I can tell you that's not what's going to happen because I was, like I said, I took a time machine. I forgot. Yes, tell me. <laughs> um, I think that. And all my fellow Redskins fans are probably going to hate me for saying this. But in all honesty, I think the final score of this game is going to be Philadelphia 34, Washington 17. Wow. Hey, a little honesty from a Skins fan. I don't believe it. It's not honesty. I'm just, I have to prepare my psyche. (laughs) I have to prepare, you know, I don't want to be, look, man, I learned a long time ago. You know me. I don't want to have to, like, once the inevitable happens, if they do lose, I don't want to be walking around with my head between my my legs, you know, for the next, until next Sunday, until right. kickoff next Sunday. I prepare myself, I get myself ready for exactly what's going to happen, or the worst case scenario, so then once the game's over, I can be like, all right, let's play poker. I wish uh, more Skins fans would follow that model, because I get tired of hearing the garbage every I mean, week leading into a game. I don't think there's any other way to go about it. I mean, that's pretty much what we've been conditioned to. I mean, we're, you know, under the Snyder era, we go to the playoffs every four years. That's pretty much what happens. And so we went to the playoffs two years ago, so we still have two more years. Although, although that course may change with Kirk Cousins at the helm. You never know. We'll see. You never know. All right, so actually, this is a boxing show. This is the tale of the tape. 
Uh, we are back here uh, broadcasting live from the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. I'm Kenny Keith of SportsRantRadio.com, and with me as always, Vince Cummings, the man with the plan, the man with the knowledge, the boxing connoisseur. So, Vin, it's a, uh, we are in the dull days of, of boxing. Um, for some reason, there is a bunch of um, crap scheduled all the way up until October 18th, which is the next big fight card. But yesterday, I found a diamond in the rough. And something that I've been sort of, I haven't really launched my full-out onslaught and campaign um, against Showtime and HBO to try to convince them with my Jedi mind tricks um, that they need to make some kind of a deal with Sky Sports, Matchroom Boxing, and Bo- Box Nation um, over in Britain in the UK to bring us, to broadcast us fights instead of the crap we saw on NBC yesterday in a cruiserweight fight against, honestly, two guys. Vince, honestly, I swear to you, I've never, I never heard of either of them. Yeah, who's heard of anybody in the cruiserweight division? Who cares? Exactly. So yesterday um, in London, England, was hashtag the return of the Saint, Saint George Groves of the Carl Froch doubleheader fame. Um, the last time we saw George Groves, he was on the end of an overhand right from the Cobra Carl Froch in front of 80,000 fans in the greatest spectacle boxing has seen in a long, long time. Uh, he was almost broken half, wasn't he? Yeah, uh, his, his, his legs snapped back like a chicken wing, that's for sure. So St. George Groves returns to the ring against Christopher Rabrassi in a, a really big fight for Groves. Groves was a very, very highly touted, undefeated prospect um, that was a mandatory for Carl Froch. Yeah, he ran into the wrong guy on his way up the ladder. Exactly. And although the first fight ended in in complete controversy um, in the, the referees stopping the fight in the midst of a Froch flurry um, when that fight probably should not have been stopped, they got the rematch. It was the it was it was by far the best boxing promotions at its best. Yeah, it was. It's the best. It's 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 the most well promoted fight I have seen in a decade. Yeah, there's a there's plenty there's a lot of promoters in the United States who could uh, learn a thing or two from Mister Eddie Hearn over there in Matchroom Boxing. Absolutely. So the fight was um, was promoted better than 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 anything we've seen over here in the United States by a long shot. One because um, boxing in the UK is promoted better in general. Right. They don't care if their fighters are undefeated. If there's a story leading into the fight, yep. If there's some kind of background between these two guys, it 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 ends up coming off awesome. Yeah, they're more interested in 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 entertaining and and competing. Right. Like they. In, Al Heyman's philosophy in the United States and what boxing has morphed itself into with this Cold War is no longer do fighters dare to be great. Right. They're, 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 where we grew up in sports, it was all about competing. Mm-hmm. It was all about winning. It was all about daring to be great, to go out there. And, I mean, the, even if you weren't in an actual sanctioned competition – you, there's it didn't matter what sport it was, and we still do this to this day. We could be playing wiffle ball. <laughs> exactly. We could be playing in the basement with a Nerf hoop. There is going to be blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> right. But professional boxing is the only sport in the United States where now 
you no longer dare to be great because what Floyd Mayweather has done to the sport is he has set an example because he is the wealthiest athlete in the world. Everybody would rather follow the model that Floyd Mayweather has taken in his path to be able to get the dollars. Nobody dares to be great except in the UK. So that leads us back. Carl Froch has fought the most demanding and most brutal lineup of fighters in an eight-year stretch out of anybody that currently fights in boxing today. Manny Pacquiao is in the same echelon of fighting competition, but now that competition has withered away. Right, his last few have put a hurting on that. On that status, where Frotch is one after the other. So, George Groves is a really, really nice prospect with all the tools you would want offensively in a fighter. One of the best leading jabs in the sport. Yeah, nice, long, quick, snap-out snap, snap out jab. And he gives you more than one. Yes. You know, Algieri does the same thing. A lot of people that aren't, um, you know, they're not familiar with Chris Algieri yet are going to see this in the Pacquiao fight. And if they haven't watched the Provodnikov fight when Algieri won the WBO uh, junior welterweight belt, is it's not just one. You're lucky if you get a jab out of any fighter today. He's not just throwing it out there to keep you at a distance. He's using it as a weapon. It, absolutely. Um, and that's Groves' biggest tool. And uh, Frotch said yesterday during the broadcast of Groves Rebrasi um, is the one thing the that he admired about Groves' skill set the most was obviously the jab, but he's got really good hand speed too. And it's something that uh, is not necessarily associated with white fighters um, the last uh, white fighter that we saw that had blazing hand speed was Ricky Hatton, but we saw his chin was no match for people of equal athleticism. Yeah. And that was pretty much the story on Ricky Hatton. Yeah, he uh, he did he took care of everybody until he ran into the two best, which you can't take anything away from the man for that. No, 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 absolutely not. I'm, I, I have all the respect in the world for Hatton. Um, his chin proved to be his biggest nemesis, though. It was not his boxing skills. No, no, uh-uh. <laughs> so back to Groves again. So Groves is now, I mean, he's famous in the, in, in the sport of boxing, and Americans that do not know who George Groves is go on HBO On Demand and watch the replay of Frotch Groves 2, and you will see all you need to see. He's a personality, and he's great for the sport. Um, this fight against Rebrassi, against Christopher Rebrassi of France, is a huge fight for George Groves to uh, put him back on the path that he thinks that he is on towards a world championship. And in my opinion, Ben, I don't know how you feel about it. Uh, George Groves has all the tools to become a world champion oh, fighter. I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, once he steps foot in America, there's going to be a lot of fighters that are going to be really surprised at the the speed and quickness and overall just boxing ability that he brings to the ring. It's, it's, it's pretty damn good. WBC champion, Anthony Durrell now has a mandatory challenger in George Groves. Now this will happen on the UK's end of things. Will it happen on the American side of things. If this does, this fight needs to happen in the United States. George Groves wants to come to the United States. And this, in my opinion, I've seen Darrell fight. 
I think he will be completely outclassed and outmatched against George Groves. I don't think he'll be outclassed, but he he's going to run into a better fighter if he gets that fight. Uh, George Groves is it's just a little bit more of, of the attacking style, whereas Darrell kind of tries to like to circle the ring and 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 flip a kind of a ineffective jab as opposed to Groves being a, a weapon. Right, his is a get get away from me jab, and I think Groves will, will handle him definitely. Anybody who fights Groves is going to have a um, a huge test in front of them. Yesterday, he threw almost a thousand punches. Yeah, that is an awful lot for a super middleweight. That's a lot. Uh, he was, but you know, I mean, dude, he's constantly throwing that double jab out there. Constantly, he does it for the entire fight. Now, I didn't see it, but did he kind of get under control? His maybe it was just because it was the Frotch fight, but what seemed to be hyperactivity and over movement. The the most notable thing in this entire fight for the first three rounds was the calm and relaxed disposition of George Groves. That's the one thing he was missing. He needed that big time. And, and then that was the one thing that I was uh, paying attention to the most at the beginning of this fight. I think it maybe it might've been, you know, just the fact that he was in the ring with Frotch while he was in, bouncing around uncontrollably like that in front of the largest crowd in boxing history. Yeah. I think he was, <laughs> The blood was flowing a little too much. Yeah, and that was noticeable. I mean, right. that, that that was in both of the fights. Uh, even the one uh, Frotch Groves won, you know, in front of in front of eighteen thousand right. fans. I mean, he was still noticeably wound up. Yeah, and he was tired by the sixth round. Exactly. No, uh, his conditioning. Anybody that throws a thousand punches in, in, a, in a twelve round fight um, is uh, is very well conditioned. It's going to be very hard to beat too. Yeah. Whether he even lands that many effective punches. I mean, that is just volume there. I think like you said, against a guy like Darrell, um, I, I, I think the overwhelming offense of George Groves, the boxing skill, the strength of the jab, um, will definitely give Groves a huge advantage in that fight. The one thing that Groves, his, his kryptonite, and we saw Fr- Frotch expose him in the second fight. If you attack Groves at the body, Mm-hmm. And you can be equally as offensive as Groves. He's beatable. Yes, he is beatable. I mean, Frotch proved it, but that's just Frotch. You know. Yeah, lot. I mean, we're talking about a different class of fighter. Right. Anthony Durrell is is not. Uh, we can argue back and forth about the uh, the class of Durrell and and Groves, the talent levels, but we're not going to try to put Anthony Durrell in the same classification as as Carl Frotch. No, sir. Um, so interestingly enough, I know we've, we've, we've talked about this at length. Um, but this kind of ties into, in, in, into, uh, recent comments made by Virgil Hunter, the trainer of the, uh, super middleweight champion, uh, of the world, or well, one of them, um, who holds multiple belts and that's Andre Ward, uh, missing in action. I like to, I consider him retired. Uh, he has now gotten to the point in his, diluted um you know manipulation campaign on what few fans he has left he's now trying to convince the world that nobody wants to fight him i can tell you right now i can tell you right now george groves dares to be great yep okay groves would fight andre ward anytime i'm not saying that he would even i'm not andre ward might shut out groves who knows right, right. who knows okay i can tell you right now St. George Groves is not backing down from Andre no, Ward. No. So why are you launching this campaign to try to convince us otherwise? That's just more spin from a just completely just out of their mind camp. I don't know what 
the hell that that goes on over there in Oakland, what that group talks about and what they believe in their own minds is actual truth. I I mean, it's just that they're a complete mess. And now they got HBO in this, you know, the, the latest episode of the fight game with Jim Lampley in the closing, um, you know, commentary with none other than Max Kellerman. And the two of them are fluffing Andre Ward as they go through their top five pound for pound. And Max Kellerman, instead of, you know, basically using the platform like they so liberally use right. to, 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 you know, politicize boxing, you know, by propping up this fighter and knocking down this fighter, sit there and talk about Max Kellerman's like, oh, he's an Olympic gold medalist. He's got all the potential in the world. He's got crossover potential. This is just like Floyd Mayweather at this point in his career. This is nothing like Floyd Mayweather. This is nothing like Floyd Mayweather got a contract that he said he was worth more. Andre Ward, nobody even knows what is going on in this law. He is filing lawsuits on the basis of time frames of the length of a contract and services being expired. And he re-signed a new contract during this time frame that he is arguing. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, man. I, and it keeps getting thrown out immediately. The judge will throw it out. They're, They're like, like, dude, what are you doing? Right. What where What is the basis for this? You have signed a contract that you have to honor. And of course... He just keeps on. I don't know what. I don't know what's going on. But now apparently everybody at 168 is afraid to fight him. He's not moving up to 175 because they they ain't doing that. Yeah. Why? Why, Virgil? Yeah. I mean, why would you do that? You'd actually have to fight somebody. Right. I don't want to sit here. This fight yesterday with Groves and Murbrassi just made me think because we we've watched George Groves so closely over the last year and. This guy will fight anybody. I would like to know, because leading into and during the fight of Frotch Groves 2 in front of 80,000, the largest crowd in the history of boxing. Let me say that again. The largest crowd in the history of boxing. Andre Ward decided to launch a Twitter campaign, completely trying to minimize the, the, the entire spectacle of this fight and sounded like a complete and utter moron. Calling, oh, this ain't nothing. I'm not involved, so this ain't nothing. Andre Ward, you couldn't sell out the local American Legion. You can't do... You have no idea what is going on in the world of boxing. George Groves, coming off of back-to-back losses, sold out Wembley Arena yesterday as a headliner. You could not sell out the ballroom at Madison Square Garden. No, he could not. You couldn't sell out... The convention center at the Indian Bluff Casino. <laughs> yeah, the guy is. Uh, I I don't. I just don't get it. And <clears throat> as far as I'm concerned, for right now, Andre Ward is 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 dead to me in the sport of boxing. I'm getting tired of it. I understand their friendship, Max Kellerman and Lampley and Ward. They yeah. work together. Are they afraid he's going to kick their ass at the at the next broadcast? <laughs> But why, in one breath, you call out the fraudulence of Floyd Mayweather? And in another breath, you add to the same fraudulence. It's just like Al Heyman trying to convince us these garbage fights are worth our money. It's just like Bob Arum lying blatantly to the public that this is going to happen and this is going to happen. You're sitting there and lying to paid subscription buyers about the 
reality of Andre Ward. Call him out. Right. The, just and the the visible bitterness that the entire network has towards the fact that Mayweather went to Showtime. It's like, come on, guys. We you're like a scorned lover. I mean, give me a break. Yeah, they you know they want to put themselves above all the all the fray right. and the mess, and they are right in the middle of it and cannot see it. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's great. HBO definitely does a far better job than Showtime. The top ten grossing fights of the year on that are not Mayweather fights have been all HBO. Right. Okay. We get it the, uh, for this year. Right. All right. We get it. That's fine. On that note, George Groves is coming to America, and I cannot wait to see him make his mark in this country because he's young and he's hungry and, and he's, he's good. And he's entertaining in and out of the ring. Yeah, that was a great fight yesterday, man. George Groves won a unanimous decision, 118-110 times 2, and 117-111. This was another um, another case of... Uh, I think some of the rounds were given to Rebrassi because Groves had, uh, he kind of, his defense is still a little, he still drops his hand, uh, you know, that he's protecting. Like when he throws, when he's jabbing with his left, sometimes you'll see his right hand start to drop a little bit Mm -hmm. and it drops below his ear. Rebrassi's a tough fighter. He has a tough chin. George Groves gave him everything he had, and uh, Rebrassi's a nice fighter, man. A nice fighter, and I'm sure he wouldn't have any problem fighting Andre Ward. Andre Ward thinks he's too big to fight guys like Rebrassi. Well, guess what? Rebrassi sells more seats in his hometown than Andre Ward does in his. Rebrassi might get paid more in the UK for that fight than Andre Ward, the lineal champion, would get in a fight in his hometown on HBO. Well, as to quote... Boxing journalist Steve Kim, next man up, because boxing keeps on moving, man. Right, exactly. Keeps on moving. So on the undercard of Groves Rebrassi was a prospect, Olympic gold medalist, lightweight, Luke Campbell. Now, I was very intrigued to see this kid fight because there's a lot of high hopes on a kid in Campbell who has all the ability, an accurate counterpuncher with long arms, fights very tall, uh, somebody that intrigues me that Eddie Hearn is very, very high on this kid. No doubt about that. He, um, he has the length. He has the body to even move up higher in class. The more and more we see Luke Campbell in the UK, the more and more I'm intrigued. I want to see him thrown on um, some of the bigger fights. They're, they're pumping this kid out there. He's going to continue to fight. I want everybody in the boxing world to make a mental note on Luke Campbell. So physically, body type, style, I was I was talking before we went on on the air. He actually has some mannerisms of frotch. I don't know if this, if this kid trains with him or not, but he does the same thing where he's like pounding his gloves together. Like he, he even has some of the same mannerisms and, um, and he fights very tall like frotch. So yes, we will continue to compare all the white guys to the other white guys. Of course. Um... And even Chris Algieri tried to separate himself. It was kind of funny. I, I heard an interview with him the other day. He's like, said something about being compared to like other white fighters. He's like, hey, I'm. He's like, I'm half Spanish, man. Right. I did. Yeah, I saw that too. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. So keep your <laughs> eyes peeled for Luke Campbell. Um, he's gonna keep on fighting. If you get a chance to to watch some uh, some fights on online, if you can't get them, 
that are being broadcast over in the UK. This kid's going to be thrown on all the big fights for sure. So we move on to the next story surrounding Floyd Mayweather. I don't know if this is a publicity stunt to try to keep his name in the in, in the media, uh, but apparently big changes are on their way to Team Mayweather, Vin. Yeah, it's a little strange. They've been such a tight team for so long, and now all of a sudden there's the rumblings of, you know, his main man, his his sidekick, Leonard Ellaby, is going to be taking a walk from Team TMT. Smells a little fishy. Well, at the heart of the beef with Ellerby is Floyd said that he found out after the contract was signed that his WBC and WBA titles in both weight classes were on the line for this fight. And that's unacceptable, right? He didn't approve it. Big, big deal, man. If you have a guy that you paid to do this stuff for you, you're the champion of the world. Yeah. What? What? You, you're going to fire a guy because he put your championship belts on the line? Yeah, I, it's just, it makes Floyd look like such a little bitch, man. It really does. You are the champion of the world. It just, he says these things in his little sheltered bubble of a world where he doesn't even know how to behave like a human being, where he beats women and he just acts like a little spoiled child. If he's got to have complete 100% control of everything, and I'm, it's not just in boxing, I'm almost hundred percent sure it's in his life period. How anybody could hang out with this, this guy and actually be friends with him and not just fluff him up and, you know, tickle his nuts whenever they itch for him. I, I don't I don't understand what the hell's wrong with you. The guy's just a he's a horrible person. Just because he buys you think he's a nice guy for buying you a twenty five thousand dollar watch. He's buying you a twenty five thousand dollar watch so he can boss you around. Right. So he when he says jump, you say how high, sir? Yeah, get me another Fanta. <laughs> right, you know, give me some more of that purple drink. That's that's why he buys you a watch. Right, because when he says jump, you better jump. Yeah. Here's my problem. He doesn't realize when he makes comments like these, when this sort of stuff gets leaked. Uh, to to the casual sports fan that reads this, they don't think anything of it. They just read on saying, okay, well, obviously he's got beef with Ellerby and he's going to fire him. But to people that know the ins and outs of Mayweather's well-documented dodging of Manny Pacquiao, this is another example of him dodging and being afraid this is how can you if you are the champion of the world and you are pound for pound the best you need to fight the best and your belts need to be on the line at all times the fact that he had a problem with his belts being on the line shows that he is so uh, he is guarding yes just it's it's so fraudulent it is it's it's getting just so tired and i think I think the jig might be up. I don't know how many. I'm. Uh, you read they sold nine hundred and twenty-five thousand pay-per-views for Mayhem. Uh, I, something tells me that that is fluffed up by two hundred thousand. I I just don't believe it. I really, I find it hard to believe that the second one outsold the first one, and there was not nearly the buzz that they thought they were going to have going into that fight. It got coverage day of on on ESPN and nothing else it's just, it's, it's a joke, man. And it's, it's like I said, I think the jig is up and I think fans are starting to, to figure it out. 
he has nothing in life to do other than to nitpick BS. Right. Also, quote, quote, Floyd Mayweather. Also, my daughter was sitting in the front row and her mother wasn't sitting next to her. So the ticket arrangements were totally wrong. It just got to a point to where everyone wants to do what they want to do instead of communicating and compromising like we used to. Instead of listening to what I say and doing nothing else, you mean, Floyd? We got to this point by communicating and compromising. Right. There's just a lot of other things within our team that's just not right. Leonard wasn't in my corner, so you know, it's not any hard feelings. It's just people outgrow one another. I'm not mad at him. There's no hard feeling like I hate the guy. Not at all. No hard feelings whatsoever. People just outgrow one another. They just like when people get a divorce. They no longer on the same page mentally. Let me ask you this. Did you beat him? Right. (laughs) Did you you punch him? Uh, You verbally beat him, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) I mean, you have no problem hitting women. Yeah, I got I got a sneaking suspicion that, you know, with all that being said about why why they're getting rid of him, the deceit with his daughter and, and all that BS, I, I got a sneaking suspicion that Mr. Ellerby might have been pushing for the Pacquiao fight just a little bit, just whispering in Floyd's ear that this might be the right move. And I think that, you know, that pisses Floyd off. I think when May comes around and you guys see all access in May, I'll have a totally new team and probably a totally new staff. We make a lot of changes in my team, but Al Heyman ain't going nowhere. Of course. <laughs> Al Heyman goes nowhere, yes. Al Heyman is He always remains your... in, in, in camera view, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh, dear. There has been speculation that this move is being made the possible firing, and we have no confirmation on it yet, of Leonard Ellerby, is being made to make room for none other than Dick Schaefer, who is mired in a $50 million lawsuit with his former employer in a company he helped build in Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy Promotions. He is throwing, he is, Floyd is just throwing the middle finger up at the, at the world of boxing, the sport of boxing, the fans, and every aspect of the sport. I think he did it a long time ago. I just think nobody was paying attention. Yeah. You know, we're all suckers, man. Well, when he fought Canelo, you were thinking, wow, Floyd picked the youngest, hungriest fighter in the world. Maybe he's, he's finally got it, and he's going he's gonna to take the big fights. No, not the case at all. He fought Canelo for the dollars. Yeah, oh, he did, definitely. I mean, he knew Canelo was too young, which most people knew going into the fight. So he wasn't going to have a problem. But still, it was the fact that he picked Alvarez. <laughs> Let me get a 21-year-old Alvarez while he's still with the Reynosos. Right. Who, in both of our opinions, is holding Canelo back oh, yeah. from being even greater, uh, being a better uh, fighter. He needs to figure that out quick. You put Canelo with Freddie Roach, you might have the most dangerous man on the planet. I, I would have to agree. Oh, Floyd, oh, Floyd. Um, but yeah, Richard Schaefer, did you notice that Richard Schaefer had a seat right in front of the camera with his big head. Dead center. I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, man, I'm surprised that there's not like a restraining order against him. I'm surprised, not that he deserves a restraining order, but you know what I mean. Right. Like, that Oscar De La Hoya allowed him to buy a ticket. Right, at a Golden Boy promoted fight. Uh, It was probably a a Floyd handout ticket, I'm sure. Absolutely, it had to have been. Uh, And I'm sure De La Hoya walked in to sit down at his seat and went, This son of a bitch. I hope that 
Richard Schaefer gets what he deserves, and that doesn't mean a front row seat at TMT. Although, I think maybe this Ellerbe thing a lot may have to do with um, the suspect nature of uh, the money team's uh, stable of fighters. Yeah. <laughs> Is he in char- was he in charge of picking those guys? Yeah, he was in charge of handing the envelope full of cash to the guy who scored uh, Mickey Bay Vasquez. What was it, 119 to 109 or whatever that scorecard was? Jesus, yeah, that was bad. Um, I got into a uh, uh, little side note. I got into a discussion with a guy on Twitter. I made a comment saying that, uh, that, that Bud Crawford was undeniably the best lightweight on the planet. And uh, this guy went on to like try to lecture me on how uh, I cannot, I'm not allowed to announce him as you, the lineal champion. I said, I never used the word lineal. I don't even think the guy who used the word understands exactly what a lineal champion is. Right. A lineal champion is a champion that earns his belt by beating a somebody that inherited, that won a belt right. from a champion that comes in. The word lineal comes from a long wow. line of champions. Right, exactly. Consecutive passings, passing over of the belt. He's not a paper champion. Okay, that's what I never use the word lineal. Right. I watch a lot of boxing. Bud Crawford is undeniably and <laughs> undisputed. Anybody that knows the sport that doesn't have a financial tote the company line interest in a given party. <clears throat> TMT, Mickey Bay. Right. Knows that Bud Crawford is the best lightweight on the planet. Without a doubt. It's not even, there's no discussion. So anyways, um, he goes, well, uh, this guy goes, well, once, uh, you know, once Crawford beats Beltran, then I'll call him the lineal champion. Excuse me? What? Yeah. Gamboa's better than Beltran. Even even though Gamboa came up and wait to take the fight. Come on. (laughs) Come on, guy. But I don't know how that then makes him the lineal champion. That's what uh, right. uh, that's what I'm confused about. Right. Um Yeah. Uh I think he just thinks lineal means like recognized across the divi- of all the divisions. Like legit. Right. Like <laughs> like it's like code for legit champion. Right. I just wanted to throw that in there. Um because as it relates to TMT, Mickey Bay's fraudulent belt. Yeah. I would love to see Mickey Bay get in the ring with Bud Crawford. I would too. I'm not taking anything away from Mickey Bay. Mickey Bay's got heart. He's an aggressive fighter, and he's not a bad fighter. Crawford's is Crawford a Heyman guy? No. Yeah, I don't I, think so. I, I don't. I don't think, I don't think you're allowed to work for Tom Brank and be a Heyman guy, are you? No, 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 no. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> he's a Bob Arum yeah, guy. He, I forgot he was Bob Arum. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to your favorite fighter, Sergio Maravilla Martinez. The Speaking of lineal champions, yeah. the former lineal middle, middleweight champion of the world has had his physical in New York City. And from all indications, coming from those in the know, it's not looking good for Maravilla. Uh, yeah, I think we knew that. I think the writing was on the wall. We talked about it last week. I mean, just based on his comments that he made before this, this appointment, it didn't sound good, uh, you know. I still have some pain, and I just want to have a normal leg like a normal person. Uh, it just it, his mindset's not there. It tells you right now he knows himself. It ain't gonna happen, Johnny. It's over. 
The first thing I want to hear from the doctor is that my leg is going to be good enough that I can live a normal life and that I can have a normal leg like a normal person. I still have some pain I feel in my right leg, but if the doctor says I'm 100% or I will be 100%, then I will continue to fight. If he doesn't say that, then I will not fight anymore. I do not need to fight because my health is very, muy importante. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I agree. You know, look, as somebody who has uh, chronic hip problems, who has hardware in their leg, who has had three surgeries in the last 10 months, as Sergio had multiple knee surgeries within a similar time frame, if I, if I can't, I cannot go and do the things that I used to do. I can't go and play. I can shoot a basketball flat-footed, but I cannot go run hoops. Such up, right? Exactly. I can play horse, but I right. cannot play a game. So, Sergio, if you can't move like you used to, then you shouldn't fight anymore because nobody ever accused you of being the greatest stand-in-the-pocket fighter of all time. No, it was more, yeah, it was on-the-move fighting. He's one of the greatest and most unique stick-and-move fighters in the history of the sport. Nobody, there's never been a fighter like Sergio Martinez ever, and there never will be again. You can't teach that style. No. That's something that you're born with, and it's it's not going to go away. It's just what he was in the ring. I would rather sit back and watch Sergio's greatest hits. I would rather re-watch Sergio Paul Williams to... I'd rather sit back and watch him absolutely destroy Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. over and over and that over was again. A, that fight was a complete clinic. That was that was his peak. Yeah, that but, fight, he looked so damn good. I'm, granted, he went down in the 12th round, but man, was he just... His game plan in that fight and the way he fought was just... It was impeccable. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that was a master class. That was, that was by far uh, the best display of... of, of of an athlete um, performing their craft. I completely agree, man. Uh, you know, look, I would like to see Sergio fight again. I would love to see him go in the ring and, you know, take on Felix Sturm, like has been speculated. That would be, you know, that would be a good fight for the fans. Right. You know, and it, it wouldn't be, it's not a dangerous fight as long as he can stay on his feet. You know, I mean, you got to stay on your feet. Yeah. Felix Sturm's a, he's a world champion. Right. You know what I mean? Or was. And, I mean, he's a world-class fighter. So even at an older age, there's still the threat. So you have to be able to stand up. Yeah, and that, based on his last fight, that was a major problem. Indeed. Indeed. So now we move on to... It is being speculated there is a possibility that Brandon Bam Bam Rios may return to complete a trilogy against Mile High Mike Alvarado. I'd love to see it. The first two fights were unfriggin' believable, and I think it's perfect for these two guys. It's a rubber match. They're one and one. Right. It's a perfect way for both of them to make a lot of money, win, lose, or draw. Both of you are shot fighters. I think you could probably still get a couple more fights out of Rios and Alvarado, but the smart thing for both of them to do would be to try to get as much money they can out of this, win, lose, or draw, both walk away from the sport. Alvarado has lost two fights in a row since beating Rios in the rematch. Yeah. Um, and he lost to Ruslan Provodnikov and then 
lost a uh, unanimous decision to the Mexican legend Juan Manuel Marquez. Um, yeah, a 40-year-old old man made him look really bad. Well, it's not he's not just any 40-year-old. No, man. no, he's not. <laughs> but the fact that he looked that bad in that fight, I mean, he was completely dominated by Marquez. Yeah, I I don't think a guy like Alvarado should be fighting against arguably probably one of the 10 greatest counterpunchers in the history of the sport. No, you're right. <laughs> um, but Rios, on the other hand, as I have, it's been well documented. Don't get me wrong. I would love to sit down and have a conversation with Brandon Rios. Right. Do not get me wrong. I think he's probably the kind of guy that I would love to sit down and have a beer with. He's a warrior. Yeah. I admire what, what he brings. Okay. I, I, I totally do. I don't want ever want it to be mistaken. Right. My frustration with Rios is I think fighting for Robert Garcia has really sort of um, sucked away his potential. Yeah, it stalled his stalled his growth at, at a certain point, and he just he stuck he's stuck with what he is now, and that's there's no no changes being made. Absolutely. Um, he shows up to camp overweight. Uh, he comes into fights out of shape, and he has potential when he was fighting at lightweight. He was a, you just did not want to get hit by this guy. Right. I mean, he was a punisher and not too many people that fight at that weight fight in his style. No, they don't. So he was, he was surprising people with just suffocating pressure and heavy volume punching, but his inability to make weight anymore. And as we all know, as people move up in weight, their power does not translate normally. Somebody needs to tell him that, uh, you know, a little cardio wouldn't wouldn't hurt there. Yeah, Brandon. he's 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 got to be he's got to change his style. You can't bang to the body when you don't have the power to knock somebody out. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's still using the style that he was knocking 135 pounders at, and now he's entering the ring weighing 155, 160 pounds, flabby, still trying to implement the same bruising style. The problem is he's not hurting the guys he's fighting anymore. Yeah, these guys are ready for that. Yeah, and 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 he is a notorious. He's he's of the ilk of Ruslan Provodnikov and Andre Berto, where his face is just there to be hit. Right. You know? I still want to see it. I do too. I'm Sign me up. Because these two will go toe-to-toe. And why not, man? Why not settle it, you know? Why not settle the score? They're not. If neither of them are going to fight Provodnikov, I know my, my, Mike Alvarado did not. No, he got all he wanted of that. Yeah, neither of them wanted to fight Provodnikov. Uh, Alvarado didn't want a rematch, and Rios did not want any part of Provodnikov, which is part of the reason why uh, Provodnikov will more than likely be fighting in Russia for his next fight, which sucks for us. Um, but, you know, there was talk that Provodnikov was going to be the co-feature on Alien versus Crusher November 8th. In Atlantic City, Bernard Hopkins versus Sergey Kovalev. But now, and thank the boxing gods that, that they that they still do not smite us as they have. Right. It has been announced that the fight is official and it has been signed. James Kirkland will take on the BKB middleweight champion of the world, King. Gabe Rosado in this fight will a bloodbath. It will be 
epic. Yes. This is a can't miss 100%. Somebody's going down. I mean, it's, this is, they couldn't have put a better fight on this card. (laughs) No. And, And how happy are we that we will be there to witness it in person? Yes, we will be there. And, um, man, if you had any doubts out there, fight fans, I don't know. This could turn in, you know, B-Hop might turn this fight into a stinker. He might hold and try to rough up Sergey. Could be a snoozer. He's not going to, he's he, he's obviously not going to, tr- he's going to try to not let Crusher do his, do his deal oh, in the we, ring. He's going to muck it up. We know Hopkins is going to do that. Oh, but the fight beforehand. Oh. At a catch weight of 157 pounds, King Gabe Rosado, who has fought, oh my, uh, dude, he has fought a veritable pantheon of names. Yes. He does not back down from anybody in the sport whatsoever. Um, Gabe Rosado in his last fight took on Brian Vera in the headlining bout of BKB's um, initial promotion. Um, you know, Rosado has kind of run, run the gauntlet here uh, recently. He has fought Jesus Soto Carras, who he knocked out in the fifth round. The same Jesus Soto Carras that embarrassed Andre Berto. Um, he has fought Triple G Gennady Golovkin. Um, he had a no contest against Jay Leon Love. He has fought Peter Quillen. He has fought Jamero Charlo. Um, he has fought Brian Vera. He, he's fought. He's fought the tough guys. He's fought the prospects. He's <laughs> fought the champions. He's you're like you said. He's fought everybody. Yeah, and uh, if if anybody's ever heard an interview with with King Gabe, and we would love. Love to interview Gabe Rosado here on the tail of the tape. Is this dude dares to be great? Yes, he does. And he, as rarely happens in the sport when you have losses, okay, especially consecutive losses, once you're past the prospect ranks and now you're considered a contender, right? Usually, when you start suffering losses, um, you start to diminish, especially when you come out of the ring in the bloodiest fight in recent history against Triple G. It, I, I, I will rarely say this about a fighter. Let me know and let the fans know if you agree, Then I feel like Gabe Rosado is getting better. Yeah, and look, I could care less who you lost to. Your next fight is what matters. Look good in your next fight. Take it from there. You can have five, six, eight losses. I don't give a shit. Yep. If you put together three good fights against three good fighters, guess what? You deserve a shot. And that's more of, we were talking about earlier, the UK model. Yep. They don't care if you have a couple losses. Where in America, it's like, oh, one loss. Uh, he's he's no good. Throw him back to the back of the line. Yeah, well, the, and that uh, again, that, again, that's that, that's Mayweather's fault. Right, it is. If we didn't have a guy that's, that is, uh, you know, tricking us into believing that their undefeated record is so unbelievably legitimate. And that is the gold standard. Right. And if you're not undefeated like Floyd, then it doesn't matter. Right. No, dude. King Gabe Rosado is a perfect example of a guy that takes his craft very seriously, understands the sport, and Golden Boy should be very, very happy to have a guy like Gabe Rosado in there. In their ranks. And it's a guy that all boxing fans want to see. Yeah, dude. He's he's a good fighter, man. Oh, yeah. He's a good fighter. He gave Triple G all he had. The Peter Quillen fight was so close and got stopped because he he just was cut too bad. Right. 
You know, I honestly think if that if that is able to reach the distance, Rosado wins that fight. Well, I think he could probably get himself a rematch with Quillen if he uh, if he wins against Kirkland. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, right. Peter Quillen ain't fighting nobody that is remotely dangerous ever again. <laughs> After that fight against King Gabe, Rosado, Al Heyman whispered in his ear and said, you ain't fighting guys yeah. like him no more. We sneak out of here. We ain't coming back. Ain't going to be no rematch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. James Kirkland, the, the enigma of boxing. Yeah. Hey, he may be an enigma, but uh, I I can guarantee you this: he will bring it. Thirty-two and one, with twenty-eight knockouts. His only loss, James Kirkland, coming against noble hero Ishida. Uh, yeah, that was like two years ago, three years ago. 2011, three years ago. Yeah. First round knockout. I, I think that was more flukish than anything. Well, he got knocked down three times. Did he? <laughs> yeah. Did, uh, was Ann Wolf his trainer in that fight? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that's the one fight that she wasn't in the corner with him. That is very true. Ann Wolf um, disappeared for one fight, and James Kirkland lost that fight. Now, for those who are not schooled in the career, of uh, James Kirkland, please watch the Glenn Tapia fight. Right, Kirkland Tapia. It is on demand. Yeah, right now. Man, I thought somebody was going to die in that fight. He is a reckless, reckless fighter. Man, he just does not give a damn about his own well-being, and I'm pretty sure he is trying to kill the person he is fighting. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you right now, man, oh, this is going to be such an awesome fight. James Kirkland has knocked out Brian Vera, so has Gabe Rosado. Yes. Um, he has knocked out Alfredo Angulo. That does not happen easily. No, it does not. <laughs> yeah, he knocked out Glenn Tapia. He has. Uh, he likes to knock people out. I don't know if he can knock out Gabe Rosado, but I can tell you right now, Blood will be shed on November 8th. That's going to be a hell of a fight, man. Oh, man, I cannot it's got, wait. It's probably going to be an even money fight. You think so? Yeah, or damn close to it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see because there's uh, going to be a... Um, there's definitely going to be a size difference in this fight. Yes. You're going to see uh, in the ring, when they come to the ring, you're going to see a gigantic um, tattooed Puerto Rican uh, and a very short, stocky black guy. Yeah. That's yeah, that's a complete contrast there. Yeah, they are um yeah, they you could not have two different fighters. I mean, Gabe Rosado's six foot tall. Right. And James Kirkland is my height, maybe. I, I like Rosado. Just Five early, nine. early when I heard this fight announced, I like Rosado to win this fight. I think Rosado's a better boxer. Right. If he can box and you know, it's not sometimes not Rosado's style, he just gets sucked into engaging. But uh if he can be smart enough and box for enough of the fight and engage when he has to, I think he wins this fight. I think he can knock Kirkland out. I mean, Rosado has legitimate power. Right. He's got legitimate power at 160. Right. Now, will we'll, we'll coming down, because, you know, Rosado is in, you know, it, this is not a stretch of the imagination. This is not an overstatement. Gabe Rosado may be the most physically fit and most well-tuned fighter in the game. 
Right. He is always in great, great shape. Yes. Always. So being that he always looks completely shredded and ripped when he weighs in at 160, well, weighing at 157 cause him any stress coming into this fight. Mm, it Maybe. Three pounds shouldn't be that big of a deal. You wouldn't think. Well, I mean... That's I, just something that you don't know. You're going to find out at the weigh-in, see how sucked in he looks, how, how just his face, is, his skin is on his bones. Yeah. But uh, you're not going to find out till round four or five of the fight if he's, got, if he's still got that same energy that we're used to seeing from him. All right. So we will, obviously, leading into the fight, we will preview... Uh, and give probably a uh, a little bit, paint a little bit better of a picture of this fight. But sitting here today, a month and a half away from the fight, how do you see it? What's your prediction? Yeah, I, I like Rosado, man. I like Rosado to win at 115, 113, 116, 112 scorecards. Man, if this fight goes the distance, I will be shocked. Really? Yeah. I think Kirkland's not going to – well, he's coming up a little bit. Rosado's coming down a little bit. You never know what's going to happen when, when you get a fight like that. You know, Maybe the power doesn't translate. Maybe Rosado is sucked down so much that he can't handle the power like he used to. But I, for whatever reason, I see it going the distance. Okay. I don't see it going the distance. I'm not saying that there's necessarily going to be a knockout. Right. I think this is going to get stopped by the referee. I do. Stopped for a beatdown or blood. Either one. Yep. You're not ready to say who yet. No, I mean Rosado is more inclined to be cut. Right. He has been cut horribly in recent fights, which makes you more susceptible to being cut. Right. That can reopen easier. Um, Rosado has the brow structure. Yeah, the protruding brow to be cut. Uh, for some reason, Puerto Ricans tough as nails. Yeah. Whereas Eastern Europeans do not cut. Like they have tough skin. Right. Uh, Puerto Ricans do cut, uh, i.e. Miguel Cotto. Yeah. Um, it's a different bone structure, man. Different bone structure and different uh, uh, genetic makeup in the skin as well. Um, in reading the biography of Carl Frotch, he said that um, he has never, he's never been cut in the ring, um, has never had a horrible cut that from being punched. I hope it doesn't happen to him because if it had happened yet, I mean, that's some, that's some adversity to deal with that it's hard to explain until it actually happens to you. And there's blood dripping in your eye and you're pretty much blind in one eye. Right. Well, in the, in the biography, he talks about, uh, in training for the Pascal fight, he was cut by his sparring partners. <laughs> I don't even know how this gets past like trainers. They don't see this before sparring goes on but apparently um the gloves that he was wearing were kind of like gnarled up and his like the the sparring partner's thumb was hanging out of the glove and his his, his fingernail cut frotch like a week before the fight so they stitched him up so he had already been cut by like basically a razor blade right um and then it was reopened during the fight so he was he was not cut in the fight right he had a cut that was accidentally so Hey, at least he's not like most fighters that wouldn't even that'd be enough to postpone the fight. Yeah, absolutely. And and any had a broken rib going into the fight. There you go. Broken ribs and a cut and did not postpone the fight. Um but anyways, that in speaking of toughness and everything else, there is no denying the toughness of King Gabe Rosado. The question will be can he withstand the barrage and can his physical makeup withstand not being cut? Right. 
by a ferocious and relentless James Kirkland. Right. Dude, I could sit here and talk about this fight all day. Yeah. I cannot wait to see this in person. Yes, it's going to be. That's probably going to be the best fight I've seen in person to this date. As we close this episode of The Tale of the Tape, we will dive into the even more depressing, and as far as I'm concerned. We're going to end on a somber note? Yeah, well, this isn't exactly a somber note, but um, those people who are fans of the jackal Guillermo Rigondeaux. All eight of you can stand up now. Yeah, all... Yes, all of you, all eight of you can stand up now. Uh, the Jackal, Guillermo Rigondeaux, in his uh, latest, uh, just, I don't even know how to explain this, but his next fight against a uh, Chris Avalos went to purse bid. And the purse bid was won by Caribe, obviously, because Bob Arum and Top Rank have washed their have wiped their hands clean of the jackal. Um, the pit, the uh, the bid was was won at three hundred and seventeen thousand and seven hundred dollars. Top rank did not bid, and the champion Rigandau, who is on widely considered one of the ten best fighters pound for pound in the world, will receive seventy five percent of the money. Will get a two hundred and thirty eight thousand dollar paycheck. And the remaining 25% or $80,000 will go to his competitor. Now, they're fighting on November 22nd, the same date as Pacquiao Algeri. Smart move. In either the Dominican Republic or in Miami, Florida. Miami doesn't care about anything sports-wise, do they? Why would they put on a fight there? I, I don't understand. And if it's in the Dominican Republic, uh, nobody's going to see it. And it's not like anybody wants to see it anyways. <sighs> he did it to himself, dude. Yeah. He's one of the biggest noted documented dicks in the sport. He's a bitter, angry little guy. Yep. Who it's written all over his face. You just gotta look at his face. Yeah. He just he he's he has spit all over the fans of boxing, has turned away fans, refuses to sign autographs, just wants nothing to do with anybody that might actually like the guy. Right. He's nasty and bitter in the ring after fights. He's an angry little shit that nobody wants anything to do with. But he's so damn good. Put him in the same category as Mikey Garcia and Andre Ward. Greatness that is just disappearing. Wasted. And apparently, one of these guys that he knows he's so good, but it's like the people that that are in position to to bring him to the masses are like, dude, I don't care how good you are. You're 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 an asshole. Right. You're nobody's gonna like you. Whether you're undefeated and the best fighter in the world or not, your personality stinks. And nobody will see you fight yet again. The only chance you have of getting on television, Guillermo, let me give you a piece of advice, you little angry shit. (laughs) You need Carl Frampton. Yeah, he does. You need Carl Frampton in the worst way. You know why? Because... 
if you fight Carl Frampton, and that fight will be broadcast to the masses right. in the UK. That's your only chance of getting on primetime premium cable. I think you're 100% right. You need Carl Frampton in the worst way. So stop running your mouth. Stop condescending to boxing fans. Sign an autograph. Okay? Life is not so serious that you have to walk through so bitter and angry. Yeah, come on. Jackal. <laughs> El Jackal. He's, uh, it's pretty fitting, I guess. Yeah. Jackals are little bastards in the wild, I'm sure. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So, as we wind down this episode of The Tale of the Tape, we, yet again, and we will say it until the day happens, the time is going so slowly until Saturday, October 18th, Triple G, Gennady Golovkin, returns to the ring against Marco Antonio Rubio for Golovkin's super WBA middleweight belt featuring the card featuring Nonito Donaire, the Filipino Flash taking on Nicholas Walters in a can't-miss action fight. Man, this day cannot come any sooner. November 8th, live from Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City, Bernard Hopkins, the alien, the executioner, takes on Zikrasha, Sergei Kovalev, to unify the light heavyweight division. And the co-feature, as we have talked at length about, King Gabe Rosado returns to the ring against the enigmatic and dangerous James Kirkland. November 22nd, from Macau, China, on HBO pay-per-view, Manny Pacquiao takes on Chris Algieri in a fight that I cannot wait to see. Just an amazing clash of styles. Vasil Lomachenko returns to defend his featherweight belt. Jesse Vargas defends his belt against Antonio DeMarco, and the Chinese legend, Zhou Shiming, the Olympic gold medalist. It's going to be an interesting fight card. We're going to get uh, to see a display of this fight card, Van, wouldn't you say, is going to give us the biggest variety of pure boxing skill that you're going to see on a fight card. That's, That's a great card. That's approaching the card of the year. You know... Pacquiao and Algeria side, I know a lot of people think that's a bad fight. In my opinion, that's going to be awesome. It's going to turn out to be a better fight than everybody thinks it's going to be. Oh, yeah, man. The people that say that just haven't seen Algeria fight. That, that's, that's all there is yeah. to that. You can't be that good of a boxer, which he is, and get beat that badly. Do not make comments about this fight being a disappointment or not what you wanted to see. This fight is way more intriguing than Floyd Maidana. I hate to break it to you. No, without a doubt. Algieri is a pure, pure, smooth, smooth boxer. I cannot wait to break that fight down leading into it because that is going to be so many dynamics going into that fight, so many different ways that could go. Yep. Uh, Vasil Lomachenko, the legendary amateur fighter, Arguably the greatest amateur fighter of all times. You want to see an all-around boxing clinic. Make sure you tune in for the co-feature of Pacquiao Algieri. And then, to close the year out. Now, yes, Canelo will be fighting on December 6th. We do not know his opponent yet. Because that is not set. So as of right now, the last big fight card of the year 
is Terrence Bud Crawford returns to the ring in Omaha, Nebraska, his hometown, to fight against the number three contender, Ramundo Beltran, in the lightweight division. Then, this could possibly be. I hope it's not because I'd like to see him take down Mickey Bay. This might be Bud Crawford's last fight at 135. Uh, I think he's got bigger fish to fry than Mickey Bay. I think we'd, <laughs> we'd like to see him fry Mickey Bay. <laughs> yeah. But he's going to be moving on, definitely. Uh, you could not have said that better. Bud Crawford has bigger fish to fry. Well, folks, that'll do it for this episode of The Tale of the Tape. We appreciate all of you for tuning in. As always, we will be back next week. Same bat time, same bat place. Drop by sportsrantradio.com for all the archived episodes of The Tale of the Tape. For my partner in crime, Vince Cummings, I'm Kenny Keith of sportsrantradio.com, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at SportsRantRadio. We'll see you all next week, and may the force be with you, always.